1: going on welcome to flyers talk podcast i'm katie emmer
0: and i am jordan hall we are your home for everything and anything flyers related so katie uh let's get pucks i am so excited let's do it let's Let's do do it it. okay
1: so the reason why i'm excited this team a lot of excitement surrounding them right now yeah As we record this, it's right after the All-Star break. The Flyers begin sort of the second half of the season. I know it's not legitimately the second half, but it feels that way. It sure has been a long break. But, Jordan, before this break, a huge win, a huge schedule of wins that they had, but more significant that win over the Penguins. Brian Elliott getting a shutout. It was a great game at home to end right before the break.
0: I think that was huge, Katie. Uh, To to go into the break – with a with a you know a shutout win against the Penguins, yeah. they've been they had been shut out only once all season. Um, it's your rival. If people uh, forget, Pittsburgh embarrassed them earlier in the year. Uh, up in Pittsburgh, it was 7-1. to one. So the Flyers really wanted to go into that break feeling good about themselves. And what better way than to beat the top four teams in the league over a span of 14 days? They beat the Bruins, Blues, Capitals, and Penguins. Uh, those are the top four teams uh, in the NHL standing. Yeah. So... Um, if you wanted to go into the break with confidence, that was the way to do it. Uh, just a huge, huge uh, stretch for them. And now it's the final 32 games, and they're going to see what they're made of. Uh, but I think the Flyers have put themselves in favorable position. I think they'll take where they are. Elaine um, Vigneault is absolutely happy with where they are, but he knows that this is when it gets very interesting, Very uh, the, the playoff race gets hotter, and the games get bigger. So they're going to find out a lot about themselves but i think we've already learned a ton about them oh yeah uh, especially during that that stretch like you said Katie right before the break um the flyers i think really showed that they can play with some of the best teams in the league
1: yeah they showed some of their highs they showed some of their lows i mean i think we both could agree some of the biggest frustrations followed that christmas break but seeing how they bounce back as you mentioned some big wins over the capitals over the bruins some of the top teams in the league but another thing you're talking about playoffs and honestly i can't get over the fact we're already at this point um they say time flies when you're having fun that's that's so <laughs> I true i think yeah. you know for the most part it's been a fun season it's been an entertaining season and i think it's a, certainly a step up from what we saw with the flyers last season you know with the goalie situation and a lot of new sparks coming up but the more important thing are like you mentioned these final 32 games something notable the fact that the flyers have 16 games on the road they have 16 games at home for the rest of this season and if you really look at their schedule we all know that their home record has been outstanding as far as you know comparing it to away at home they're 17 4 and 4 and away this season they're 10 13 and 2. It's been a common question you ask these guys it was brought up at practice you know before they begin sort of the second half of the season uh, against the Penguins what the secret is why they're playing so differently at home and what do you think is the biggest reason for this? Cuz I can't really wrap my head around it. It's is it luck? Is it just
0: I can't either. It's it's seriously hard to fathom um how a team can be 17-4 four and 4 at home and then 10-13 and 2 on the road. They have a minus 30 goal differential on the road. They're just <laughs> they're a completely different team and yeah. Alain Vigneault's been around the block. He knows what a playoff team looks like and he admitted before the six-game road trip that was that turned out to be a disaster. He admitted that um, in order to be a playoff team, if you think you're a playoff team, you have to have a decent road record. He even said a good road record. They're not even close. So a lot of it's the start of game, the starts to games. I think that has a big um, – that's been a big factor. I don't know why they're starting so poorly, but they fall behind, and then they chase. And what what happens when you chase is the game opens up because you're trying to make, like, the extra play instead of just playing your game. And and who
1: wants to be chasing a game the whole time? We've heard Couturier right. talk about that. I mean, it's – it's not a fun position to be in when you're trailing. Specifically in that six-game road trip, there was a few of those games where they were trailing by so many goals after the first 20 minutes. How important has the first period been for them, and how do you feel maybe that'll be to their advantage here in the second half?
0: Yeah, it's been huge. And, And we forget, too, that they beat the Blues on the road. So, like, maybe if there's a silver lining that they finally got a good road win going into this final 32 games and maybe they found some confidence there, on the road. I think they just need to go out and play, but the biggest thing is that first period. If they can weather the storm in the first period, give themselves some confidence. Um, these are some veteran guys that have played on the road. It's everyone even worried about Carter Hart on the road, but he was he was actually a better road goal, road goalie last season than he was at home. And that was when he came up mid-year. Yeah. He was 20 years old. Um, he's going to be fine. And again, this is a veteran group. Um Justin Braun, Matt Niskanen, Claude Drew, Jacob Voracek. These guys have played on the road before. So I think they're going to be fine, but it's without a doubt a concern. If they don't get it right and fix it, um, Kevin Hayes said it today. They're not going to be playing after the 82nd game of the season. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. And and the crazy thing is, too, is a lot of games come within the division. They have 14 uh, games left against the Metropolitan Division, which is – Without a doubt, the deepest division. An amazing division. division. Yeah.
1: They have the strongest teams as of now. It's crazy when you think about the fact that the Flyers are a very good team, but yet they're still not that highly ranked in the Metro Division, just a stacked uh, division. But overlooking, I mean, the biggest question mark is the playoffs. Will they have what it takes? And how amazing was that, specifically after the practice we were at today, just to hear Elaine Vino say, We will make the playoffs, just to hear that reassurance from a coach? Because Certainly it's a goal for every team, but he sounded like he was, like, super sure about it.
0: He was super confident, Katie, and I liked it. Um, Again, this is a guy that is not used to missing the playoffs. Um, He's had a great track record at his previous three stops in year one. In year one, he's taken all three of those teams, the Canadians, the Canucks, and the Rangers, to the playoffs in that first year with that team. So he likes getting to the playoffs, and I think he wanted to exude some confidence of, hey, we're going to make the playoffs, and hopefully his team hears that. I think he's going to relay that message to them, and I think he wants them to believe that they're going to make the playoffs. Um, As crazy as the division is, um, they've played really well, they've shown that they can beat the best teams in the division, they've shown they can beat the best teams in the NHL, and now it's just going to be a matter of uh, keeping it up and then figuring things out on the road. Um, But they're in a good spot. I really think they're in a good spot, Uh, and it's going to come down to these final 32 games, and. If they can continue it uh but the good thing is you have a veteran core that's been there yeah um you have some young players that are starting to come into their own um and and we'll have to see if it clicks but the confidence from vigno was was clear today
1: yeah and as you said they are in a very good spot uh as this podcast is recorded they're only one point out of the wild card position so a lot can happen here in the next 32 games, but um, and, Elaine,
0: and at the All Star break, it was cr- it was crazy. They're sixth in the Metropolitan Division at the All Star break; they would have been in first place at, in the Pacific Division. So that goes to
1: show too this this division we talk about right. is just full of these top teams. It makes right. it harder to, to work your way up. But the Flyers, despite that ranking, still are a pretty solid team as right. far as everything. But okay, you're talking about Elaine Vigneault. I can only smile when thinking about this coach, just because. I've talked about this before on broadcast. This guy's great. I mean, he, he's hard to not like in my in my idea just how authentic he is after yeah. after uh, games and what have you liked the most from what you've seen I keep calling it this first half of the season, what has been the biggest moment to you, your biggest Elaine Vigneault moment that you've liked so far?
0: And we have a lot to pick from, Katie. How I many know. Times, I'm sitting here like, I don't even... How many times have we left a practice together or a post-game press conference and we're just laughing and we're like, that was amazing. <laughs> like That was tremendous. Um, we got one uh, right before the break where he said he's going to be on his pontoon oh having a martini uh, before he looked at any other lineup decisions. So. My One of my favorites... It's important,
1: too. Important
0: things to be doing for Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Needed Taking that bye break. week. Like, yeah, get on the pontoon, get out there, get some sun, have a drink. Um, but, but my favorite part was probably when I was just starting to get to know him was in the preseason. Um, this is when I kind of saw his pedigree and his track record was when they were about midway through the preseason and they just did not look good. And you don't want to get too caught up in the preseason results, mm-hmm. but... He just felt like they weren't there like they weren't grasping the system and he kind of challenged the veterans and totally revamped their plans for the final back half of the preseason schedule and he came out and said hey we had planned to do this and get this x amount of games for this veteran and that guy he totally changed it and he said hey my previous teams uh were accustomed to being in the playoffs and coming into camp we kind of know what we're getting and we kind of take it a little easy Um, He was like, this team was not in the playoffs last year. They had a lot of time to rest, and we're going to ramp it up and make sure we play these guys as many games as possible to get them to know this system, how we want to play. They did not want to go in having any type of sluggish start or just not know what they were going to get. And he came out, and I remember we asked him, "Uh, well, do you feel like some of these veterans are ready to play more games in the preseason? And he said they don't have any other choice. So that, to me, really stood out. I was like, this guy is not messing around. No. He, he's coming in here to get this team back in the playoffs. He doesn't like missing the playoffs. And that was one of my favorite moments. It's kind of where I got my first glimpse of Elaine Vigneault. And how he just doesn't mess around and uh that really stood out to me but i know you've got some fun ones because we're always laughing about
1: i'm just sitting yeah i mean he's a great guy the stories i have are a little bit different because you know the post-game pressers i'm reporting back and on the post-game show so i can only see so much but the experiences after practice the way that a lot of fans too don't get to see him in the dressing room and how he interacts and i'll tell everyone this guy is always sort of smiling you know after of course a loss i don't see him but Um, at least in person but after practices he he knows how to work the media he's been around this game but my favorite thing overall whether it's games whether it's after practices is the little is that it Yes. you guys good good
0: and he (laughs) he does this little clap yeah and like he and like that's how savvy he is he he, He knows how to like end his own press conference like you know he'll he'll let people ask questions but if he wants to kind of like end it you get that vibe and then he'll clap his hands and say good and
1: Or the little one liners when he's kinda of leaving the stand and yeah, it's Yes you like, gotta love him. He's
0: just so much personality. He's been real fun. I know we've had so much fun with him. So <laughs> that's what's made these first fifty games fun. Not only are they playing better, yeah. And they're you know, they're in the hunt and they're right where we I think expected them to be, contending for a playoff spot again, but the head coach has been really fun. He's been fun to be around. I think the fans have really embraced him. Um, I think they've embraced his tough love mentality where he's kind of kicking this team in the butt a little bit. I think some of the fans have, let's be honest, the fans really got tired of this veteran core falling short. They haven't won a playoffs here since 2012. And the same guys are kind of around. They're not bad players. They're not bad guys. They're all quality people. Um, But they hadn't done anything. They really hadn't. And I think the fans saw Elaine Vigneault come in right away and Kind of give him that kick in the butt, and they really liked it. And now, I think at first there was some apprehension to when they when they brought him in. I think a lot of fans remembered him with the Rangers and being fired and not playing. I put my hands in the air with quotes, not playing (laughs) young players and playing veterans, and that kind of scared some Flyers fans. But I think the vibes I've gotten from fans and people around the organization—they they they absolutely love him so far. So um, I think we've had fun. Just you gotta love.
1: For the fans also, the fan in us and also just media wise, you gotta love how authentic this coach is too. He tells you the way it is every game, he's not gonna cover anything up. Injuries are another sort of thing, but he still gives you the information you need. That respect is is a big thing for us.
0: Yeah, he's really no BS. Like he even yeah. said, can you remember we were laughing um after uh they had that Weird, crunch. we were
1: laughing. I'm really not that. Exactly. Surprised. Shocker, right?
0: <laughs> um after that stretch where they had beaten the Capitals um, and Bruins and the Blues, and then they—I know
1: you're sitting there trying to count it out, like, okay, yeah, I'm trying to remember how exactly. many sick teams did they end up
0: right. beating exactly the, before the All Star break? Yeah, but yeah, continue. And that's very Flyers like fans. You know, I had fans remind me after they went through that stretch of, well, let's see what they do against the Canadians and Kings, and I kind of like shrugged and I was like, I really, like Flyers like always putting a negative on something. <laughs> Um, but then they were kind of right. They predicted it. They come home and they lose the Canadians 4-1, yeah. and they just get outworked and outplayed, and it kind of put the damper on the stretch. And Vigneault came out, and some players had mentioned just, hey, listen, we knew that was like a tip, like a typical trap game where maybe there would be an emotional letdown. They had just been the defending champs in their building. They come home, and the, the players didn't make excuses for it, but they did say, listen, we knew that was kind of there, and yeah, we let it turn out to be a letdown. And Vigneault responded to us, and he says, "You know that word that starts with B," and he just wasn't having it. Um, and I think he probably, you know, he typically expresses the message that he gives to the media. He'll express it to the players too. And I bet he gave that to them. He said, "Hey, that's not that's not acceptable. I don't care that we were in St. Louis tonight before. Um, I don't care if we were tired. There is no letdown game. Like these are meaningful games. And obviously, we're seeing it. They're not technically. They're not in a playoff spot right now, as well as they've played." Um, they've got they have games to play. They're not in a playoff spot, so every game is meaningful. And he's really conveyed that message, and I think that's been refreshing.
1: Yeah, I would have to agree. the whole The whole coaching staff has just sort of been that breath of fresh air that I feel like. <coughs> excuse me, the Flyers have needed. Um, Absolutely. And so far, so good. Just to just to um, conclude with Elaine Vigneault, just gotta love that pat the the confidence that they will make the the playoffs. He's telling us like it is after practice. But going over now into, you know, some of the top veteran players and you talk about you mentioned some of them. Someone that stood out today was Kevin Hayes and and a lot of these guys they've been here, they've been after this all-star break. They know what it's like to just get back out on the ice. Wouldn't you have to say just the vibe in the in the dressing room was a different vibe than you've seen before. These guys were having fun in practice today. This was a fun practice they're excited for the next 32 games.
0: No, I agree. Um, definitely a different vibe. I think they're excited, like you say, Kay. They're, they're having fun because I think they believe in themselves. They have a reason to believe. Last year, everyone knows, it was miserable. They were in such a deep hole. Past the midway point, they were last in the NHL standings. So they had dug themselves such a huge hole that these games and this juncture of the season wasn't very meaningful. They had some hope, but it was a tall, tall hill to climb. Right now, they're in a good spot, and I think yeah, there was a there was a confidence, there was a different aura at practice. Yeah, um, they were excited. I felt
1: it, you know, I right. But going and, to, and that's a
0: good sign. It was great to see like the players yeah. were like they they sounded like they were loose and having fun. We know Kevin Hayes likes to have fun. Yeah, um, is laughing and smiling. Okay,
1: nothing new with that too. Exactly. So
0: <laughs> I think that was those were all good signs that this team feels like they're getting healthier. And they're excited for this stretch. They believe in themselves. That's a good thing.
1: Yeah, what about the schedule, too? I mean, is it a negative or a positive to be starting sort of the second half, I'll say it again, after the All-Star break with the Pittsburgh Penguins and then the Colorado Avalanche on a back-to-back? Is that a positive for them to just really dive into this, you know, the final 32 games of the season? Yeah, I don't – Starting it that way?
0: Yeah, they they have a lot of back-to-backs, as we know. They have 17 this year. That's four more than last year. So nothing new to them. And yeah, I think they're I think they're excited for it because they've had that long break. They go nine games without playing, uh, nine days, excuse me, without playing a game, and then you get thrown into a back to back. But I think that I think they're embracing that. um, They want the games. They're ready to go. They're they're refreshed.
1: Yeah. Um, But these challenges too against these top teams have seemed to gone seem to go their way. English has been hard for me today. That's (laughs) so. Has seemed to go their way.
0: That's fun.
1: English is. I feel like it's an advantage to be able to start. I mean, I asked you, you know, and I I would think that it's a positive for them to really just get into this final 32 games of the season and um, started in this way, hoping, you know, all goes well. But um, I feel like the way that their schedule was, it it wasn't a positive. We talked about that all the time the beginning of the season, just the different back-to-backs games in less than 24 hours. Yeah. I feel like it could be an advantage. It's sort of groomed this team to, to prepare for that, find new routines, find ways to get ready in less than 24 hours. And when you're going against top opponents or not, I feel like they're in a good standing to be able to have those experiences. It wasn't a good thing for them to go through that. But at this point of the season, every game matters. Every game matters a whole season, but specifically the final 32 for them. And... I would think it's a good thing that I, they're I, approaching it this way.
0: Absolutely, key. like I think they have this feeling of like, you know what? Whatever NHL, like whatever you throw at us, like we're ready for. <laughs> um, and I think like Vigneault has brought it up time and time again. But then as he brings it up, he says, "You know what? But we got to deal with it." So now they've they've dealt with it, and I agree. I think if anything, they've seen everything possible with their schedule in terms of lack of rest, back to backs, flying, long road trips. Um, they had to figure out the road thing, for sure. But at least they're going in with a nothing-to-lose mentality. Yeah, they've seen just about everything in that schedule. Um, and now they're rested, they're refreshed, they're getting healthy, uh, which we saw today. And, Katie, I want to ask you about getting healthy in terms of the defense. I think there's an interesting dynamic on defense. Mm-hmm. Shane Goss Spare won't play against the Penguins. Um on Friday night, but he's very close, he practiced. That's a guy that isn't gonna sit much. Uh, but, at the same time, they were playing pretty well without him. Robert Hag was doing fine. Phillip Myers is a nice young player that s- started playing well next to Travis Sanheim. So, mm-hmm. what do you think they're going to do game by game with, when they have seven healthy defensemen, when Shane Gossers is ready to go, how do you think that could shuffle out?
1: Um. Well, when we were talking about Elaine Vigneault, part of the thing was just you know the best memories, but also we've learned a lot of his tendencies. You've talked about the mentality he's brought to this team, but we've seen what he likes to do. He stays with what works. He stays yeah. with what's working, with, like any coach would do. And I think if I'm the coach right now, and if I'm working with Elaine Vigneault and as far as what we've seen from him, you're keeping things the same until something doesn't work. Right. You know, we shot, we saw Ghost go through those different um, stretches of good and bad. But if things are working the way they are, he's not going to change a thing. He's going to keep it the, the way it is. Um, of course, there's positives. Of course, there's negatives with the blue liners. Um, a big thing has been, you know, the younger pair of Sandheim and Phil Myers. An interesting dynamic when you think about it. And I thought, is that a good thing? If I was a younger player, of course, I wish I was playing in the NHL. That'd be sweet. Yeah. If I was a younger <laughs> player, would I want to be playing with someone else around the same age and what have you seen has that been sort of a, a good thing for them those two working together because they have good nights they have some off nights but it's kind of an interesting dynamic if you really look at how they work
0: together it really is um i think the flyers have gone through their growing pains with those two in the sense that there's been times where My- philip myers has come out of the lineup because vigno kind of just became fed up with some of the high risk m- mistakes that he was making yeah. Um, Then there's times where he'll make a play and it just opens your eyes and you're like, wow. And Chuck Fletcher mentioned that um, a few weeks ago, how we were asking him about the trade deadline. Do they need a veteran guy? Do they need to help their bottom six and get a little older? They have a lot of young guys. Can they trust these kids over the final 32 games? And he referenced the play between Sanheim and Myers in that Bruins game. Uh, It it created the game-tying goal. And it was just a really good play up ice where Myers and Sandheim fed the puck to each other. And it was with some really good players on the ice for the Bruins. And those two kids made a play, tied the game, and then they ended up having one of their most exhilarating wins of the season in a shootout over the Bruins. And Fletcher said, you see that play and it kind of makes you stop and think, okay, well, we have to use some patience. You have to understand these, they're still young um, and they're going to have to be trusted. Uh, So I think they've gotten some good in bed with their youth and... As big as these games are, you're going to see them make mistakes, and then you're going to see them make a really good play. Um, And you got to balance the two and understand that, uh, yeah, these guys are still young, but this was the core of your – like this is what the Flyers wanted. They wanted to give these kids a chance, have them play big games, um, and see what they're made of. And I think we're definitely going to see that. Uh, But you're going to have to allow them to play freely too. Allow them to make mistakes. um, Allow them to learn from them. Um, so we'll see. I think they like that pair right now, but um, it can't hurt to have a veteran and a young guy. We've seen that work. Uh, Justin Braun was playing pretty well with Travis Sandheim for a little bit, and I think they like the veteran and the young kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ivan Provarov and Matt Niskanen have been great together. A veteran, I don't see young those two guy. going anywhere. Don't see them ever breaking yeah. up the rest of the season. Um, so I think the Flyers will try things out. Like you said, I think Vigneault will stick to his guns. When things are going well, he's going to roll with that. Yeah, But he hasn't been hesitant to make changes and I think we'll see that with Shane Gossespierre and Robert Hag. if they feel they want to be a little more physical a little safer uh maybe they'll go with a Robert Hag. um if they need Shane Gossespierre to you know make plays offensively and he starts heating up uh and start starts putting some points and goals on the board they're going to roll with Shane if Myers has a rough game and they feel like he needs to kind of reset and Gain his confidence back. They'll they're not going to be afraid to sit him and have his you know, have him watch a game. So, I think that'll be fascinating. There's a really good internal competition on defense. It's a
1: good problem to have. And it's too. a good problem
0: to have because yeah. we've seen injuries hit. Look what the Flyers are going through at forward uh, for a little while, mm-hmm. um, where they were calling kids up and just pat, like kind of patch working that fourth line. Um, it's good to have depth. They have it on defense. It's not a bad thing. If fans get upset when Phil Myers sits, um, but hopefully they can remind themselves too hey it's good to have this Um, it's not the end of the world that a young kid sits for a game
1: yeah talk about young kids I mean away from defense all around with this team the rookies there's been several of them uh, playing at least one game with the Flyers so far this season the biggest rookie to me on this subject has been Joel Farabee and I I think he's a one of the biggest rookies in general because he's played some of the most games he's been up for the majority of the season we're seeing him get more involved and I feel like going into this second half of you know after the all-star break and finishing off the regular season I I feel like we're going to see his role increase even more we're seeing him on the power play unit getting involved a lot more of course changing up and where he is in the lineup but he's always been there and I feel like if you look at overall with the rookies this season, it's it's been Joel Farabee that's been there, that's been there getting the shot. He had at a time too where he wasn't putting any points, if at all, on the board, but the coach is still trusted in him and his playmaking abilities are hard to come by. I mean, the way that he's been able to evolve into a different player throughout the first half of this season has been something that's been sort of cool to watch grow uh, his first NHL season and, and see him just evolve into this different player. How do you feel about, I mean, I just think he has been the most remarkable rookie that we've been seeing with the Flyers this year.
0: I couldn't agree more. He's been really fun to watch because he's just a smart, really, he's just a mature kid. He's 19, but the Flyers and Chuck Fletcher specifically really liked the way the kid plays away from the puck. Like if he's not scoring, his game is still effective. He's smart with the puck. Yeah. Um, he's not going to hurt you in a lot of ways. So that's why he, he stayed up. Um. And that's you know, even going through a stretch where he didn't really put the puck in the net or even yeah. uh, play make. Um, he didn't hurt the Flyers, and I agree. I think his role is really going to expand. I think we saw a glimpse of it against the Penguins, where he jumped to Sean Couturier's line. Yeah, and that's it was against, a big one. <laughs> that's against the Penguins with their big names, and they were asking Joel Faraby to play on a line that's typically a shutdown line, and he played a great game. He was really noticeable. He um, he had a point. And uh, I think that was huge for his confidence. And I think that was the Flyers saying, hey, we're going to put this kid in situations and we're going to trust him. Um, And they've done
1: a lot of those different situations throughout the season. They have. His his, way to play through that, you know, despite where he is in the lineup, despite if he's on a power play unit or not, has really sort of been interesting to see him evolve into something else.
0: Yeah, and I think they gave him a taste of the fourth line. They took him off the power play, and they were giving him a little bit of some – Uh, penalty kill minutes, Mm -hmm. but they really took away some of his glamorous responsibilities of playing in the the top six, playing on the power play, and it really didn't phase him, and that was a really good sign. Um, And they they really do love the maturity of him. Just a really smart kid, um, understands team first mentality, but he's got offense to give. I'm telling you, he's got offense to give. Everyone I've spoken with from his uh, US developmental coaches um, to Boston, Boston, They raved about his offense. He's a goal scorer. He's strategic in the way he scores. Uh, we've seen his offense start to come along, and I think they're really going to need it. That- when we
1: saw him in preseason, when we saw him in camp, it was like pretty interesting to see. I mean, it was you knew right away he had potential.
0: Absolutely. You see that offense. Um, so I think he went through that mini stretch where he wasn't putting up points, but he was still doing a lot of good things for the Flyers. I think the offense is going to start to come – I think you're right, Katie. They're really going to expand his role, and they they need him. Like they, they're a middle of the pack scoring club. At the All break, they were 15th in the league in goals per game. That's that's okay, but like you're going to need to score goals. You can't just rely on playing these tight, low scoring games. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to get some secondary scoring. Uh, I looked it up. Claude Drew has gone uh, scoreless. The, the Flyers have actually won 10 games in which Claude Drew has gone scoreless, which is kind of crazy. Uh, It's a good sign, though. It's a good sign that they're getting some secondary scoring, but they're going to need guys to balance that out, and I think Farabee's the one, almost the big difference. He's kind of like an X-factor. I think if he can step up and provide some offense, uh, I think they'll be okay. Uh, They might not have to go out and do something at that February 24th trade deadline. Uh, So I think he could be an X-factor.
1: You talk about the trade deadline, popular subject. Um, For me, I mean – I would think that what they're looking for is adding more depth to their scoring. They need more talent. Unfortunately, Oscar Lindblom out of the the lineup, and then unfortunately, Nolan Patrick out of the lineup. I would really think they'd be looking for some sort of forward that's younger, obviously. Maybe not younger. I don't know. I I just feel like I think the forward's – a lot of people could agree is is that's that's someone they'll be looking for in the market. Because you talk about this depth, this scoring they need so much. And that's a big focus right now.
0: Right. I'm with you 100% on that, Katie. I think they, they're happy with where they are on defense. Um, they have a good mix of youth with some veterans. Uh, they're healthy on defense. We know they like what, they're, what they have in net. I think if anything if there's any concern it's just depth at forward mm-hmm. um unfortunately they don't have oscar Lindblom because of his ewing sar- uh ewing sarcoma diagnosis and unfortunately they don't know Nolan patrick who we're not sure if he's going to play this season mm-hmm. uh because of the migraine disorder so two young players that uh limblom was really effective before his uh terrible unfortunate diagnosis um and then patrick you know was a guy that you were expecting to be like a third line center and really take a step forward and unfortunately he hasn't played a game so that will be where I think the Flyers will look but what they what can they do they can't do a whole lot Chuck Fletcher said it the other day it's hard to get a four million dollar player and just no. trade him for yeah. a draft pick they don't have the cap space they have just over a little a million in cap space right now um so if they really want to add isn't a lot which is not a lot at all no uh so if they want to even add like a second half rental or a guy that maybe could be here for two years and then his contract will expire. They have to subtract from their roster now. I really don't think they want to do that. Um, They have some interesting trade trips, trade chips, but uh, I don't think they're looking to subtract right now. I think if anything, they're looking to maybe trade a draft picked for a depth guy and then they'll make it work cap uh, wise. But I think deep down, my gut tells me that they really want to trust kind of what they have in here right now. I think we'll know a little closer to the deadline. Yeah. Uh, Maybe over this next few weeks, you'll see. Okay, you know they're they're not exactly set in their bottom six. They don't really. They can't really trust this player, that player. Maybe they have to go out and get a a depth guy. Um, But it's going to be tricky. And I think ultimately they want to trust what they have, and not do anything significant where they're, you know, trading away a veteran player that they like and that was supposed to be here for the next two or three years I just don't think that's in their plans so if anything I think we might see a depth addition because uh, quite frankly that's all they really can do right now unless they do something very loud uh and unforeseen
1: we were just talking about uh Elaine Vino favorite moments overall with this team Jordan on the ice or off the ice what has been the most awesome moment to you. And I'm going to save mine until after you're done because I hope we don't have the same one. I feel like we might. You know what? I actually want you to go first. Oh, come on. I, want you to I go literally first have two,
0: so it might be a little difficult. This moment was clearly near and dear to your heart. So okay, well, I'm going to let you go first. Near and I dear do, to my heart. Let's see. <laughs> in case I steal it.
1: I'm going to go firstly with a, a lot of people could agree. The craziest moment that I've ever seen in my entire life. Brad Marchand missing the puck in the shootout. <laughs> And it's at home. It's at Wells Fargo Center. It's in front of all of these fans. It was absolutely incredible.
0: That was insane. It was the loudest I've heard of the arena <laughs> since the playoffs in 2017. Our studios
1: are obviously in the arena. Yes. But we have a wall there, and I I sometimes hear a goal horn, and I get really like I'll go out there and cheer on or whatever. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't know. I love it. I sometimes do, but that night you could you could literally hear the fans in our studio, and it was just all of our jaws were like. It was me, Chris Taryn, and Al Morganti, and we were like did that just happen like, I was shaking him it's... like did that just
0: happen who were you shaking Bundy
1: uh, yeah oh yeah you know it and uh, they yeah. <laughs> were hysterical I'm sure the post game people saw just the way that Bundy and, and Al were commenting on the fact Bundy was saying he's never seen that in his kids Bantam games you know like, like nothing you've never seen that before it was Brad amazing
0: like, I, like that's a big big name that's a really good play it's like a you were in player. there and that yeah Katie yeah, I guy's like, the fact that you heard the fans doesn't surprise me because it went from pure, like, excitement that they think they won and then peop- then obviously the fans realized that's Brad Marsha and it's the Bruins. Yep. Like, what an embarrassing moment. So it was, like, cheers and it was also jeers.
1: What about confusion, too? Like, it and just confusion. seemed like their whole bench was like, what? What? And Marshawn, like, I'm pretty sure he knew right away what just happened.
0: I think but- he did, too. He admitted to it after the game. I think, like... In his head, like, he kind of backs and, like, kind of circled around, maybe hoping that he got away with it, but yeah. he knew. But uh, testament to the fans and the Flyers, like, obviously smart players and smart fans, everyone knew. Like, mm-hmm. everyone knew. The second it happened, it was, a sh- it was, like, shock in the building. But then it was the fans literally pointing to the puck, saying that they saw it move. And then the bench, the Flyers bench <laughs> came out before, like, the, the as the rest were convening, the officials were convening. The, the Flyers came out and started celebrating. Because they knew too. So I thought it was just absolutely hilarious. But the fact that you got to enjoy it with Chris Tarrion and Al Murghany, <laughs> I'm pretty jealous. I'm so lucky
1: I get to hang out with them.
0: Like those it's, two personalities and to enjoy that moment. Uh, gosh, that's a tough one to top.
1: Now, tough uh, on the top. What's your favorite so far? And I know hopefully Man. we have many more on this playoff push. Absolutely. We'll see. But as far as funny, it could be on the ice. It could be off. Any media scrums you've had that have been pretty funny?
0: Sure, I'll say, um, I'll, I'll go with a more sentimental sentimental moment, I think the Oscar Lindblom stuff, not that, obviously, it's a very unfortunate uh, story, um, but I just love how the city and the fans and the organization have rallied behind yep. this kid. It's just been so cool to see, and I think it, it just shows what the city is like, and when we were talking to Chuck Fletcher, the first time we had spoken to him, the general manager, and he got choked up, and... It's I, so much
1: bigger than the game. It's
0: so much bigger than the game. And, you know, they're not worried about winning hockey games at that point. Chuck Fletcher's not worried about replacing Oscar Lindblom. Like, they're concerned about this 23-year-old kid. just this human being. This yeah. human being. who was a bright smile. Um, such a good kid. Such a good person. Um, and was having such a great season. And just, it was shocking and stunning. And it's so sad at first. But then just to see the city and the league... And the Oscar Strong shirts by Biscuit Tees and to see other teams wear them. To see everyone
1: rally behind this this remarkable, like you said, adult. Um,
0: absolutely. I thought that to me it's just, it's been unique to be around. You just don't, obviously you never expect it. Yeah. Um, But to be, to see it uh, firsthand, to know Oscar and to have spoken with him before. And just to know how good of a kid he is. Just to see everyone just kind of support him to see him at the arena smiling and what
1: kind of guy is he you know you you've worked with him a ton Uh, what is he like
0: very shy very shy but you know he's Swedish blonde hair blue eyes always smiling and such a nice person when I spoke to him in the summer one-on-one talked about going home and seeing his family and being home and he trained at uh with his old team uh from the Swedish Elite League and was just very happy and content with uh, where he was, and just happy that he was in the NHL, but he was really excited to get to the season. And then you see how great he just The season he was having it was just so exciting to see him come into his own, play in a prominent role, get the minutes. The teammates just loved him, um, but just a really, really good human being. Um, so to see that, to have that come out, it was crushing at first because you feel for him and the people that know him. Uh, but then to have all the positive vibes start to quickly – uh, trigger in and have the fans just support him and to have him feel that and to see him get more comfortable being able to come to games and to obviously to have him be comfortable enough for them to show him on the jumbotron. Obviously, he had to clear that and the Flyers obviously ran that by him. So to see him start to feel more comfortable, he was skating the other day, mm-hmm. Katie. We were just absolutely loving that um, to see him skate with his girlfriend and his dog. And oh, it was awesome! Uh, it was it so was cool great. to see. So. Um, as sad as that, I love that, that Jordan. Absolutely. Great moment. So it, it is
1: true. It's so it's so much bigger than the game, and a great moment I could share in that with you. That I would agree. It was very. It still is very cool to see the hockey community just come out all for for this human being. That's a
0: big part of the game. Absolutely. So that for me uh, has stuck out. But, yeah. But gosh, that Marshan one. uh ah. I, I think any Flyers fan is going to remember that game for Forever. that Moment. Forever. You won't remember where the Flyers were in the standings. <laughs> But you're going to remember where you were, just like you did, Katie. And uh, Is it
1: going to come come down to another one of those games? I mean, in the playoffs, is it going to come down to something like that?
0: I think Flyers fans will hope that How these games won't, crazy won't come be? down to shootouts yeah. because they lead the league in shootouts <laughs> so far. Please don't do it again. And those are just such a terrible way to lose. It's a good way to win because obviously you, you win a game, but it's such a terrible way to lose. It's just... To skills competition that you don't hope that uh, one of the best players in the league just overskates the puck and that's how you win. You don't want to be relying on that. Uh, but I do think they're going to have a lot of high-stress games. I tweeted it out the other day that they have 14 wins uh, in games decided by one goal. Only four teams have more such victories, so that's a good sign, but it's also a sign that they're playing a lot of low-scoring, uh, tight games. And I tweeted out that Flyers fans, I think, we're in for some uh, stressful 32 games down the stretch. And a lot of them got back and said, hey, we're used to that. So um, I think we're going to have a really, really fun uh, 32 games because it's it's going to be tight games. It's going to be intense. And uh, the Flyers always make it interesting. So you, you got to give them that.
1: Yeah. And they're starting the 32 final games without Carter Hart. That's been something... It's almost like, you know, we, we saw him it was a two week span. They said he would be out for two to three weeks. Two to three weeks. Um, before the All Star break. So as of now it's still that, that window. We're kinda of waiting for that. Um, but it's also a smart move to to not get him in there. And also with Shane Goss despair, we're not gonna see him back for the, the first game of these final thirty two. Um, what do you sort of think the um stress factor is with this? Is it a good position to have for defensemen and for the goaltenders? How much can we rely on Brian Elliott to sort of carry the load? Because I would think Elliott is that veteran that can do that, that's worthy of doing that. Alex Lyon was in there proving, too, he's he's solid if he needs to be. But how risky is this right now? And how badly do the Flyers need Carter Hart back?
0: Yeah, I think there's some concerns. I don't think there's any concerns within the organization that Carter Hart's not going to be healthy and he'll be back. I think he's very, very close. If it was Game 7 of the Stanley Cup, i bet – Carter Hart probably could play. Yeah, Um, I think they're just being extremely cautious. uh, Why maybe rush him back at the beginning of the stretch and then have him tweak something and have it linger? Um, And credit to Brian Elliott. Everyone was kind of concerned when they signed him to that one-year deal to come back and back up, Katie, because let's be honest, he's 34. He's had a track record of injuries since he's been here. So I think some people were like, gosh, we have this young kid who's going to be our number one, and then our backup is a guy that's been through injuries the past two seasons. How is that going to hold up? Brian Elliott's held up. like He's been great. He's played tough road games. He weathered that, he's weathered that little storm where Carter's been out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the Flyers are thinking, hey, let's give Carter seven more days at least, make sure he's 100% that he's not feeling anything. Brian Elliott just beat the Penguins. He's rested. Got he just his 39th
1: had... career shutout. Yep. Not a big deal. A uh, Shutout,
0: not a big deal. And he's coming back after a break of nine days with no games. So let Brian Elliott get Friday. Let Alex Lyon play Saturday. And uh, let's just make sure Carter Hart's 100%. I think that's the team's thinking. The concern is being Carter needs to make sure he's healthy. When he gets back, Like you got to hope he's confident and that he's not feeling anything in that midsection. Yeah. Um, and then, yes, Brian Elliott does have a track record if you're Flyers fans you're crossing your fingers that he stays healthy but um there was a time where the Flyers used him a little too much and he got worn down and he had some area you know some groin trouble and some midsection stuff that is always scary with a goalie um so you really need to to hope that he stays healthy too uh because if he doesn't stay healthy then you have Carter Hart and then Alex Lyon another Relatively inexperienced guys, so anything I'm just letting, to
1: not go back to I'm last letting, year. I'm laughing because
0: yeah, exactly. The Flyers' just fans went through do eight goal went through hell with a NHL record eight goalies. No one deserves to see that again. Uh, that's not a knock on the guys who play, but it's eight goalies. That's a lot of people. <laughs> so you uh, cross your fingers that the the what the Flyers had between the net is the least of their worries. Uh, hopefully, their worries is some bottom six depth and not the net. But no, I think Carter Hart's going to be fine. I think he can be trusted in big games. Let's be honest, last year he was the only reason that season became relevant. Mm-hmm. He came up after the head coach was fired. The GM was already fired. He came up and won eight straight and really made that, that season somewhat relevant. It, it gave them a chance and really made that second half actually somewhat interesting. So I don't really worry about Carter Hart and the games being too big. I just hope he gets healthy, that there's no concerns down there, um, and I think that's why the Flyers are being as safe as possible. Would mm-hmm. you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think you have to be at this point. You have your final games of the season, of the regular season. They, as Elaine Vigneault, he said they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to need Carter Hart into yep. the playoffs, of course. Um, I think he's, if not one of the most reliable assets to this team as of now. Uh, Carter Hart has proven he's a very mature 21-year-old. Very. You see how calm and cool and collected he is after a win or after a loss. Yeah. Um, He's just – he's a very important uh, key to this team, and, and I think you're playing it safe by – listen, you know, the final 32 are very important, but the first half of those 32 are less important than the final – I mean, in different ways. But I think sure. right now playing it safe, you keep Carter Hart out. The groin's an important part too for any any goaltender, any movement, any yeah. lower body. Um, Yeah.
0: And I think it was a positive that we saw him come out and admit to having a little something there it was that practice before to say um, something something something. that he didn't do before he did last season he didn't he banged up his ankle in that morning skate Montreal and he just um and then decided to play that night he got lit up he had to get pulled and then he didn't mention it until a little bit later before the stadium series because I think he was so hyped up about the stadium series and playing through an injury uh it's more beneficial when guys say something and I think it's really positive that he they diagnosed this they realized they had the bye week and that and the all-star break to really rest him uh he could have went out there and tried to play through it and I think it's really smart that he didn't so credit to Carter and that maturity of his uh to step up and say something I I bet the Flyers were probably thrilled that that he said that
1: yeah and hoping for a quick and speedy well same word I guess but speedy recovery for Carter Hart um before we wrap up today, I have a hockey joke of the day for you. I'm going to start doing these. I love You know this. me; I just like to have fun. Yes. I have jokes. I will ask, and like I, I do for my parents. Just please something. laugh.
0: Yeah, yeah. I always please think laugh it. at my jokes. I've told people that you were some of the, like one of the Jordan! funniest. Yes. I, I tell my friends at home.
1: Thank you. How funny
0: you are. Did you tell Charlie? And I told. Jordan my has re- the cutest golden retriever, Charlie. The
1: cutest. <laughs> And if anyone disagrees, send me, tweet me your photos of your golden
0: retriever and we
1: will we will decide.
0: And please tweet Katie these photos because like I will text Katie a picture of my dog and she like melts. Like she, I know. She's so happy. So I think if you send pictures of your dogs to Katie, that will make her day. So please do that.
1: I'm always open to any dog photos, any baby, any kid photos. Yep. um, All the time. Just throw them we'll see we'll rate but more importantly we'll start with dogs and maybe yes. more importantly golden retrievers that's fine jordan has the cutest dog charlie anyway where was i but okay Joke though. I need yes joke. okay so the joke of the day <laughs> <laughs> why are hockey players so good at making new friends don't read it
0: i honestly could not see it, i swear um i have no idea <laughs> because they're so good at breaking the ice I like that, and we have a break the ice series on the website by our video yes. producer Derek Souders. Um, it's just a great way to to okay, keep like, up. Okay, but like there was no laugh, so I'm a little. No, I thought that was hilarious. Flustered. I really do. I was keeping. It was really funny. You're not even laughing. I just wanted to keep my composure on this podcast. Oh, get
1: okay, <laughs> down in front, down in front. We'll, it, we'll leave so that. Like you can bring. We had that. someone in here just causing us issues. Yeah, he found it funny. Ben found it funny. Can we at least insert like a laughing or applause or something? Yeah, we'll have to work that in there. Okay, but thank I you. I thought that
0: was funny. I really did. <laughs> I really did. You're
1: great. You're this great, has buddy. been awesome. Flyers are um hoping for a good 32 final 32 games. It's going to be fun. There's Katie, a lot of promise that. in with this team, and there's a lot of excitement with this team. But more importantly, they have to take care of business in this final half.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun, fun uh, playoff push. I really do. Let's be happy that they're in it this year, and um, and if, we'll see where. Hoping
1: it goes. they are, of hoping course. Hoping they
0: stay in. Yeah, uh, and I think we'll have some fun, Katie. All right. So.
1: all right, all right. Well, that has been it. Thank you for listening to us on Flyers Talk Podcast. I'm Katie Emmer,
0: and I'm Jordan Hall. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review us uh, from wherever you get your podcast. And thanks so much for listening.
1: Do it. See ya.